You may be seated for our scripture reading. It's found in the book of Genesis, chapters 2 and 3. And the Lord commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat from the, from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will surely not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her. And he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. And I have to tell you, I sound worse than I feel. So uh, <laughs> thanks for being with us today. Uh, we, we, these are the weekends in Lent. You know, we started last week, Ash Wednesday, and on Ash Wednesday, we, we ask for a commitment for everyone to spend some time with God every day. And uh, I just hope that uh, we can all do that because it will, it will really change our lives, our families, and our church And because God wants to speak to us and, and, and come to us. We're, we're starting a new series today called Search Me, and it really comes from one of my favorite psalms in the Old Testament, Psalm 139. And it starts out, O Lord, You have searched me and you know me. Now, when you look at those words, that's pretty awesome. The fact that God searches you, He knows everything about you. Uh, That's both good and bad, isn't it? I mean, it's good uh, in the way that uh, God knows us and He cares about us. Jesus even says that the hairs on your head are all numbered. That's how well God knows you. But He also searches you, and He knows the hidden parts of your life too, of your heart, that which no one else knows. He knows your secrets that not even your spouse or your best friend knows. And as God searches us during the Lenten season, we confess the fact that we have not lived up to what our Creator has expected of us. In fact, we join with verses 23 and 24 in this prayer. And this is a prayer that we're going to be speaking every week during Lent and the the weekends. And so will you say this prayer with me? Let's read it together. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. So we're asking God to search us, to know our hearts, especially our anxious thoughts. And we've all got anxious thoughts. But then we are led to the cross. And as God loves us and forgives us, He leads us in a different way, a way everlasting, a way of life with Him. 
Well, each weekend we're going to be examining one of the sins that I believe are common to each and every one of us. And again, the purpose of pointing out sin is not so you can think about other people's sins, but it's to look into the mirror and see where you need help, where you need Jesus Christ as your Savior. And today, we're covering the sin of greed. Greed. We're all familiar with greed. Uh, It started a long time ago. You just heard about it in the story of Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 2 and 3. Remember how God made Adam and then He made Eve so that they they were one flesh in the first marriage? And then God told them, you know, you've got it perfect. And they did. They had a perfect relationship with God. They were sinless. And not only that, but can you believe it? They perfectly got along with each other. Now, show me a marriage like that today, right? Perfectly. And then they were in perfect harmony with all of creation. And yet God said, I want you to obey me. I want you to listen to me in this one thing. I don't, you cannot eat of the fruit of this one tree that I've got in the middle of the garden. And time went on a little bit, and then the tempter came. And the tempter in the form of the serpent comes to Adam and Eve and starts to get them to doubt God's Word. That's always the core of sin. Did God really say you shouldn't eat of that tree of the the fruit of, of good and evil? Did He really say that to you? And the tempter continued on and said, you know, you want more, don't you? You've got it perfect in the Garden of Eden here. They had everything, but there's more for you. In fact, If you eat of that tree, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, and you will not die. And so this this quest for more, even though they had it all, it wasn't enough. They got greedy. And sure enough, first Eve, then Adam, disobeyed God, and they ate of the fruit. The fact is, greed has been with us ever since. I enjoyed reading about the lady who one time sat down to have her portrait painted. And the artist uh, was before her, and, and she said, before we get started, I just want to say something. My husband couldn't afford a very good wedding ring, so I want you to paint on my finger a five-carat diamond as my wedding ring. And then I also want you to put this beautiful, beautiful diamond necklace around my neck. And on top of that, I want an emerald brooch. And then on my left hand, would you give me a solid gold Rolex watch that's covered in diamonds as well? And the artist looked at at this lady and said, ma'am, I can do that, but you aren't wearing any of those things, so why do you need to have them? And she says, well, I'm afraid that I might die before my husband. And when I pass away, I know he's going to remarry right away. And I want his new wife to go crazy looking for all this jewelry in our house. <laughs> Adam and Eve, the attitude of this lady in the, with the jewelry, you and me, we all get greedy. And greed is not only holding on too tightly to the things that God has given to us, but it's this insatiable desire for more. We've always got to have more. Just like Adam and Eve didn't have enough in the garden, they wanted more. Greed is hard to notice in yourself. It's easy to notice in other people. Greed, with its power to grab hold of your soul, can rob you of making wise decisions, and it can turn you into a fool. 
We have a biblical example of that with King David. You know, David was the king of Israel. He had it all. And yet one day he was standing on the balcony at his palace and he saw across the street a lady who was beautiful. And all of a sudden, he started to lust after her. He wanted more. And what did that, that, that lust for more, this greed to get more and more and more, what did it do? It led him, first of all, into idolatry, but then it led to many other sins. It led to murder. It led to a broken relationship with him and his God as the king of Israel. It was almost disastrous for King David. Greed. Yes, it often moves you into greater sins, and it has that power to grab hold of you so that you make poor choices, poor decisions. And yet, you know, in the end, your greed, your quest for more will mean nothing because all the stuff that we've worked so hard for in our lives, are we going to be able to take it with us? What's going to happen when your heart stops beating? All the things that you've worked so hard for, either it it will be gone or it will be passed on to someone else. It's greed that will leave you holding on to nothing. It was Henry Kissinger, the former Secretary of State, he wrote this. He says, to Americans, tragedy is wanting something very badly and not getting it. He says, but many people have had to learn that perhaps the worst form of tragedy is waiting for something badly, getting it, and then finding it empty. In the history of the church, greed has been listed as one of the seven deadly sins in the medieval church. Yes, it was developed from Scripture. And the church considered this sin unforgivable because the Bible calls it idolatry. It's making the things of this world that we hold on to and that we search for and that we yearn for and we dream about. It's making that our God rather than the true God. And yet there is hope. In our gospel lesson uh, that is appointed for this day, it has, it's always the first Sunday in Lent. It has Jesus in the wilderness. And there in the wilderness, uh, He's confronted by Satan after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. Excuse me. And the first of the temptations that Satan hits him with has to do with more. His stomach has been empty for 40 days. He's starving. And according to his human nature, Satan says, Jesus, why don't you turn those rocks into bread? You can have more than you have right now. Well, Jesus says, no, because man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. The next temptation, Jesus was taken to the pinnacle, the height of the temple. And Satan says, Jesus, you can have more. If you jump down miraculously and you're saved, your angels will catch you and you're you're going to have more people following you. You will have more attention. You will have more. Finally, Jesus was led to the top of a mountain and he, he saw all the kingdoms of the world. And Satan said, Jesus, you can have all of this. You can have more. And you don't even have to go to the cross if you just bow down and worship me. Jesus says, no. You should not tempt the Lord your God. But it was this insatiable desire (coughs) for more that Jesus faced, and it's the same thing that we face, but Jesus was different than us. 
he was able to fight off all that temptation. He was able to say to, say to Satan, get away from me. Unfortunately, it, that's not us. And yet, what did Jesus do? He not, only, he not only faced temptation and defeated it, but then he went to a cross where he took our shortcomings, our sins, our idolatry upon himself on the cross, and he suffered and he died for it and he rose again. So that now, through Jesus, there is hope. You know, what, what's the opposite of greed? What do you think it is? In the Bible, it's called contentment. It's being content with that which God has given to you. It's the attitude that says, because I belong to God, because I am a child of God through baptism, I know that I can trust God to give me what I need in my life, that He will take care of me because I belong to Him. And that leads to contentment. Contentment, be honest, is difficult. You know, when I pray that prayer of one, Psalm 139, 23 and 24, again, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. And I say, well, what's, what am I most anxious about? You know, a lot of times my anxiety is centered around not having enough. Is it that way for you? That I'm not going to have enough. My family might not have enough. The church might not have enough. My health might not be enough. My kids might not be able to do or to be enough. And so again, it's this desire for more and more and more, which, as, which, which is at the core of all that we, we often do in our anxious thoughts. And yet, that is where God comes through for us, and He assures us that we belong to Him. Uh, one of the passages that, that I really enjoy is from Philippians 4.19, where Paul is talking to the Philippians. My God shall supply how many of your needs? What's it say there? All. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God's going to take care of all your needs according to His riches in Christ Jesus? That's the promise, right? And here we're not just talking about stuff. I, I, in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, the Apostle Paul, reading between the lines, is anxious about his health. He has what he, what he calls a thorn in the flesh. And this thorn in the flesh was something that he says, I, I repeatedly prayed about this. It bothered me so much. I asked God to take it away. But what was his answer to me? He said, but my grace is sufficient for you. For when you are weak, you're going to be strong because of me, he said to the Apostle Paul. And that's the same answer we get in all of the, the times when we get anxious about not having enough, that God is there for us. He will give us what we need. His grace is sufficient. That's what that means. Uh, earlier in chapter 4 of Philippians, chapter, of, he says, I've learned something, Paul says. And here's the greatest missionary of all time. He says, I had to learn to be content. You aren't born with it. Contentment doesn't come naturally, but it's a gift from God. Through your faith in Jesus Christ, when you know His love and His mercy, you can learn to be content as He says, whatever the circumstance, I know what it is to be in need, I know what it is to have lots. But I've learned the secret of being content in any and every circumstance. How? What's the secret? Here's the secret. 
He says, I can do that. I can be content. I can do all these things, not by myself, but I can be content through Christ who gives me strength. And that's the same answer for each and every one of us as we struggle with this problem of of greed. The Lord knew this would be a problem. You know, He spent two of the commandments, two of the ten, beginning this way, thou shalt not covet. You know what coveting means? It's very closely related to greed. It's desiring what someone else has, desiring what you don't have so that you can have more. And when that takes over in your life and controls you, it can become a real issue. And, and uh, God told Moses, whether it's, it's your, the, the spouse of someone, whether it's their house, anything that is your neighbor's, don't covet it. And He told us that for a reason, and instead, we can learn how to be content. I've met many people in my lifetime with all different educations, all different backgrounds, all different income levels, but I found that in the end, it doesn't matter how much you know or how much you have. Being content with what you have is a gift from God through His Son, Jesus Christ. It was fairly early in my ministry. Uh, The church where I served in Lafayette, Indiana was in right downtown Lafayette, and the immediate area around the church was kind of seedy. It wasn't a very good neighborhood. But uh, I knocked on some doors around there to try to get to know some of the neighbors, and one time I met this guy named Jim, and he lived in an efficiency apartment, one room. That's all he had. He had been a janitor in some of the public schools. And all he had to live on was his social security. His wife had left him years ago. He had no children. He had no car. And to to top it all off, he had lung cancer because of all the smoking that he had done in his life. And yet, the Holy Spirit worked in him. And he got connected to our ministry. And he came to church, and he didn't have good clothes or anything, but people would ask him, Jim, how are you doing? And his answer was always the same. He would say, I am so blessed. It helped me to put it in perspective. I am so blessed. And if he could say that, I could say that too. You, you and I, we are so blessed. You know, how are you doing in this whole area? You know, we're asking God to search us, so I'm just kind of probing a little bit to help God to search your heart today. How are you doing in this area of contentment? If one is the least content and ten is the most content, where would you put yourself on the scale? Be honest. Has greed, this desire to hang on to what you have and then to get more and more, has that taken over your life's focus? Well, if so, may God search you today and lead you in a different way through His grace and His Son, Jesus. May God give us a thankful heart. May you be able to say, Lord, I am so blessed beyond imagination. And Lord, help me to be more content because the path to contentment and the peace that accompanies it is only found right here under the cross of Jesus Christ because when you know What God has done for you, when you know how much God loves you in Jesus and has died for you and rose again, when you know that, then you can put everything else in perspective to know that God's going to care for you, that you can seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness 
so that all the other things are yours as well. May God touch us today. May He turn our greed into contentment through Jesus Christ our Savior. Amen? Amen.